Welcome, friends, to this brand new edition of A Heart After God Bible Teaching Ministry with Pastor Brad Abley. We're delighted that you've joined us today, and we've already been praying for you, that you would meet the Lord in a fresh new way. We've also been praying that you would be changed and transformed into the image of Jesus by the power of His Word and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And now, let's resume our Know Your Faith series as we go through the entire Gospel of Luke patiently, slowly, and verse by verse. Here's Pastor Brad. Well, very warm greetings to you, my dear friends. This is Pastor Brad Abley with the Heart After God Bible Teaching Ministry, a ministry that is designed to take you deeper into the Word of God. My friends, how well do you know the nature of God? How well do you know Him? And how badly do you want to know Him? Do you know that the most important question is life, in life, is how well do you know God? And how how much do you want to know Him? That is the most important thing there is in life is to be rightly related to God through the Lord Jesus Christ, to have your sin forgiven, to know that you're going to have eternity in heaven, to know or or to, to live in a way as to please Him, to walk with Him, to make Him known. These are the things that are most satisfying in life, and it is the testimony of every single man and woman of God in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, bar none. No exceptions. And it's not just a testimony. It is the most enthusiastic testimony, the most life-giving testimony, the most emphatic, urgent testimony that you will see of anyone that you read about in the Bible. They are all saying the same thing. But what about you? Well, in today's broadcast, which is the last of our uh, four-part series from Psalm 32, which focuses on the forgiveness of God, and in this psalm, we are going to learn about the nature of God, the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God. We are going to learn again about David, the man after God's own heart, and his own testimony of complete and utter misery as he refused to confess his sin before God, but then his utter elation and gratitude and joy of being forgiven by him. And if you missed the first three weeks, you can access each of those messages from my website at bradably.com. The uh, Brad is spelled B as in boy, R-A-D as in David, Abley, A, B as in boy, L-E-Y, Com. You can listen to those messages and many more uh, from my website on the audio section. Now, before we open up Psalm 32, let's join together in prayer. Holy Spirit, please come. 
please do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we can ask or imagine according to your power that mightily works within us. I'm praying, Father, for those who are thinking they really don't care, they're just listening out of curiosity, or those whose hearts are hard, uh, even just the casual, that you would work miracles in their lives. And now come, Holy Spirit, you are the master teacher. We ask that you would lead us and guide us into your truth for the glory of the Father and of the Son. And I'm praying, we're praying that great and extraordinary fruit would come forth from this message alone for generations to come. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Let's look at what David, the man after God's own heart, has to say about the joy, the elation, the gratitude of a life that has been forgiven and restored, but a warning as well. So we're going to, last week we we uh, touched on verse 7 of Psalm 32. So we're going to look at Psalm 32 and then we'll read through to the end. Psalm 32, beginning in verse 7, you are my hiding place. This is a place of security for David. You preserve me from trouble, or that word can be translated distress. My friend, trouble and distress, or trouble or distress, these things are unavoidable in life. And if human beings could handle trouble or distress, we would have complete peace in our world, but we can't. We need God's daily, minute-by-minute intervention and guidance and grace and mercy. And that's how David knew God. So he says, you surround me. I'm sorry, you are my hiding place. You preserve me from trouble or distress. You surround me. You surround me with songs of deliverance, or the Hebrew word deliverance can mean victory. But songs is what I want to focus on. That Hebrew word is a powerful word. It is ranan, which means shouts. That Hebrew word uh, can be translated shouts. It can be, it was used in uh, rejoicing in the Psalms all the time. It can mean to jubilate. And so this is how God responds to the humble. He surrounds us with songs of jubilation, of shouting for joy. I am quite convinced that very, very few Christians see God in this way. Do you see God in this way? Do you even believe that God would surround you with the most powerful songs of joy, uh, greater than any human being has ever heard, but that is what he will do. Songs or shouts of deliverance. The word deliverance is not only victory, but it means to bring one into security, to provide 
escape. This is David's testimony. Think about this, my friends. We have something to learn about the nature of God from the man after God's own heart. Who says, you surround me with songs or shouts of deliverance or victory? How would David know that except by the Holy Spirit? Did he actually hear the songs? I don't know. It's possible that that the Lord allowed him to hear part of those songs or some of those songs, but it doesn't matter. If he didn't, then David heard it in a sense by faith, and we can do the same. Or it could simply be as plain as the songs that David sang himself or the songs that the Levites sang and David entered into those songs, he saw them as anointed or blessed or inspired by God. And those songs so ministered to him that David believed or came to understand that they were ultimately songs from God and they were surrounding him uh, as, as bringing him victory or deliverance. And that tells us how important praise and worship is. What a gift from God that this beautiful thing that was his idea, not our idea, of praise and worship is. Charles Spurgeon, the great English preacher from the 1800s, in his book called The Treasury of David, which is his commentary on the Psalms, which you can get online for free. He writes this, or he exclaims this, what a golden sentence. He says, the man is encircled in song, surrounded by dancing mercies, all of them proclaiming the triumphs of grace. There is no breach in the circle. It completely rings him round. On all sides, he hears music. Before him, hope sounds the cymbals, and behind him, gratitude beats the timbrel. Right and left, above and beneath, the air resounds with joy. All this for the very man who a few weeks ago was roaring all the day long. How great a change, Spurgeon says. What wonders grace has done and still can do. And then Spurgeon notes that at the end of this verse, the sentence that David puts Uh, places the word Selah. Selah can mean pause and calmly think of this. It can refer to um, an interlude where the music, where there's no singing, but the the instruments just play. Uh, And in in many cases, the, the design is to minister. But Selah can also refer to um, a a triumphant sound, a loud sound, a celebratory sound. And most likely that 
is what this particular use of Selah is here. It is a crescendo where the drums are beaten loudly and the, the horns are sounded loudly because David wants, wants the people to understand the great joy of triumph that comes from the hand of the Lord. And so Spurgeon writes, there was a need of, of a pause. He says this, for love so amazing needs to be pondered and joy so great demands quiet contemplation since language fails to express it. Wow. Now, we move on. So you see, what we're seeing here is redemption in action. We're seeing reconciliation. We're seeing the love of God. We're seeing the forgiveness of God. We are seeing the grace of God. We're seeing the atonement. We're seeing propitiation that I explained to you a few weeks ago from Romans 3 and verses 23 through 25. And so what we're seeing, my friends, is the goodness of God. We are seeing the nature of God in astonishing ways. And then one of the greatest promises for answered prayer anywhere in Scripture. I took hold of this as a young believer so many decades ago in the early 1980s. And even as a young believer, I just fell in love with the Psalms. And when I came across verse 8, I was just beside myself in amazement. Look at now Yahweh is speaking to David. He is promising David something extraordinary. Look at what he says in verse 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way in which you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. And so I committed that verse to memory. It's not hard. It's a simple verse. But let's go over that again. He says, this is God. This is Yahweh speaking to David. I will. Would you say that with me? I will instruct you and teach you in the way in which you should go. And I will. Would you say that with me again? I will counsel you with my eye upon you. What an incredible insight into the nature of God, how good he is that he would care for us moment by moment, day by day. And this is the testimony of a man who is in great trouble with God, but was forgiven, reconciled, and restored. What a testimony for David, and what a testimony it can be for you today, any one of you, 
anywhere throughout the world, David's story can be your story. You see, my friend, you don't have to live under the cloud of shame. You don't have to live with the burden of sin just weighing you down, making you absolutely miserable with the hand of God resisting you. But like David, all you have to do is just come to him and say, I confess my sin before you. And my friends, as long as we are sincere, then God will forgive us. He will remove our sin from us as far as the east is from the west. Micah chapter 7, verses 18 and 19, he says that he will cast all our sins into the sea of forgetfulness. And then 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 promises that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That, my friends, no one else can do but Jesus Christ, the Lord, the Savior, the Messiah of the world. Do you know him? Have you received him as your Lord and Savior? Maybe you do know him, but you have unconfessed sin. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the appointed time. Bring your sin out into the light before God. He knows it. And in fact, I believe that in his providence, he led you to listen to this broadcast so that you can be freed from the misery of sin into the joy of his presence. And that can happen through a simple, honest prayer. Would you pray with me right now? Just pray with me these words, Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus, and I confess this sin to you now. I ask you to forgive me of this sin and cleanse me from your unrighteous from my unrighteousness. And I thank you for your forgiveness through the blood you shed on the cross for me, Lord Jesus. Amen. And I receive your forgiveness. Amen and amen. But now, my friends, oh, by the way, I wanted to mention to you that in verse 8, this is also, this is a, a verse that I have prayed and claimed, mostly prayed, for well over 40 years. I, and I simply just pray it this way, Father, thank you that your word says in Psalm 32, verse 8, that you will instruct me and teach me in the way in which I should go, and that you will counsel me with your eye upon me. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that powerful? It builds my faith. 
It renews my mind. But here's another step. How many, I, I want to be accurate when I say this, in the, certainly it's got to be in the high hundreds, if not low thousands of times, have I prayed with someone that asked me to pray for them? Whether it's in writing, I get a lot of that, or, or with someone. Can you please pray for me? I don't know what to do. Or can you please pray for me? Whatever the situation is. And I just say, Father, as I lay my hand on the person, Father, would you instruct this person and teach her? Would you instruct her and teach her in the way in which she should go and counsel her or him? with your eye upon him. You can just feel the relief that comes upon a person when you pray that and you pray it with confidence. Just like David has expressed throughout this psalm. But now there's a warning as well because God adds to the promise this warning in verse 9. Do not be as the horse or as the mule, which have no understanding, whose trappings include bit and bridle to hold them in check. Otherwise, they will not come near to you. You see, either this is God speaking to David to pass along to us, or it's David speaking to the people. Either way, it's true that if our hearts are hard, if we are stubborn, if we do not heed what God says to us, then we are not going to receive his answers, and he will leave us in our place of misery and of danger. He will not violate our free will, but he will reward our free will when we choose to depend upon him and humble ourselves before him. Do it, my friends. Live a lifestyle of dependence upon him. And so David's conclusion and his warning and his urging to all of us look at this. Verse 10 Many are the sorrows of the wicked, many. And David was behaving, even though he was righteous before God, he was behaving wickedly. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but he who trusts in Yahweh, loving kindness shall, and there's that word, surround him. Now, my friends, this word translated loving kindness is, in my opinion, the most important word in the entire Bible, not just the Old Testament, but the New Testament as well. The Hebrew word is chesed. It's how the Jews pronounce it, chesed. It's spelled H-E-S-E-D. It can be defined in six ways. Covenant loyalty, number one. Faithfulness, number two. 
devotion, number three, steadfast love, number four, mercy, number five, and favor, number six. That Hebrew word is translated in all those different ways throughout the Bible. And it says everything about who God is, steadfast in his love toward us, loyal in his covenant toward us, devoted perfectly toward us, faithful toward us, perfectly faithful, merciful toward us, and him giving us his favor. So I said to you that Psalm 32 is an extraordinary psalm to reveal the nature of God, his goodness, his ways, and that the ways that he will forgive us, atone for our sin, remove sin from us, restore us, redeem us, delight himself in us, sing over us. It just goes on and on. And so look at the this this promise from David, he who trusts in Yahweh, loving kindness, chesed, shall surround you and me. And then he ends the song with the loudest of joy and the invitation to all of us who experience the forgiveness of God through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Be glad in Yahweh and rejoice, which is exceeding gladness. Be glad in Yahweh and rejoice, you righteous ones, and shout for joy, all you who are upright in heart. You see, even while David was sinning against God, he always understood that he was declared righteous in the sight of God by faith, looking ahead to the cross of Jesus Christ. David even then knew he was upright in heart, but this is what can happen when we stray away from God. That is the lesson of David's life. That's the teaching of David's life just in Psalm 32 alone. May we be wise enough and humble enough to heed his words. And I want to encourage you, my friend, to make Psalm 32 a constant study throughout the, rem the, the remainder of your life. When you struggle, and we all struggle with a sense of Am I really forgiven when I confess my sin? I can't tell you how many times Psalm 32 has renewed my mind in that area and built my faith so that I could be confident that when I confess my sin, God truly is faithful and just to forgive me of my sin and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Now, I want to point out one more thing. Did you notice that at the beginning of this psalm, David is exclaiming with joy, 
the forgiveness of God and the goodness of God. At the very beginning of verse 1, he exclaims, how blessed. That means to be supremely happy, to be envied with desire, is he whose transgression is forgiven. And then at the very end of this psalm, he also exclaims, be glad in Yahweh and rejoice, you righteous ones, and shout for joy. Just like God shouts for joy over us, we can shout for joy, he says, all you who are upright in heart. So I want to encourage you to pray over this, pray in the first person, know this psalm, quote the psalm, minister the psalm over others. And my friends, your life will never be the same. Until next time, may the Lord hold you in the palm of his hand. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, Pastor Brad, for this outstanding message and time of ministry. Friends, Pastor Brad and his wife Maureen need a prayer team. Would you kindly consider praying for them on a daily basis? Thank you for your partnership. If you've been blessed by this ministry, please tell others about it. If you would like to partner with him financially, please go to his website at bradably.com. You can also check out his two devotionals and his commentaries on amazon.com. Until next time, we pray that our Lord stir you daily to have a greater heart after him in every way. Amen.